Hello, this is Robert Rinder, and you'll know me from my TV courtroom, or perhaps the ballroom, or even my classroom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Challenging by Shelter. Now, before you hear more about the brilliant lead worker peer mentor service, I've got a favour to ask. If you're enjoying this podcast, as a shelter supporter, I'd be really grateful if you rated and reviewed it wherever you like listening to podcasts. Doing so helps even more supporters and even more housing and support professionals hear about the brilliant work that Shelter's doing to fight homelessness. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get back to the episode. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome to Challenging, a new podcast by Shelter, reflecting on an ambitious and life-changing service run with Birmingham Changing Futures Together that helped people with multiple and complex needs out of homelessness. In this episode, we're talking about the power of collaboration. During the four years the service ran, a lot of collaborative work took place in the partnerships between lead workers and peer mentors and between organisations. The partnerships meant life-changing results for people with multiple and complex needs, but it also meant systemic change that would help even more people in the long term. Today you'll hear a lot of familiar voices, like lead worker Christine and peer mentor Earl as they reflect on what each role learns from the other, and Kevin from the Liaison and Diversion Service, who you'll hear a lot more from in the next episode. And you'll hear some new voices, like Emma, who was with the service from day one, and Emily from the Rough Sleepers Initiative, a multi-agency group supporting people sleeping rough in Birmingham. But first, let's talk to someone who helped make this incredible collaborative service possible in the first place. Okay, so today I'll be having a chat with Natalie Allen. She's the Programmes Director for Birmingham Changing Futures Together. So how are you today, Natalie? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you, Lee. How are you? I'm good, yeah, you know, this just, like we were just saying previous to, to doing this, you know, adapting to working from home, but yeah, some positive, some negative, so it's all good. Yes, it's a great opportunity to um, be able to sit down and talk with you and, and discuss the lead work of peer mental service. How did the project come about? Yeah, so, I mean, I first became aware of, of all of it um, when I actually applied for BBSC as, as Programmes Director and became aware that BBSC had um, been successfully awarded the lead organisation on this um, multiple and complex needs project, as it was described at the time. And it just sounded um, kind of really um, refreshingly kind of different. And I really liked the the focus on, on um, a group of people who had been quite marginalised. I, I was attracted to it immediately. My understanding is that it was from those original Making Every Adult Matter pilots that um, the National Lottery um, got got interested and, um, you know, through a, through a process decided to fund 12 of these Coupling Lives programmes with a complex needs focus across the country. Um, now, the way that each of those 12 areas went about developing their local business plans was um, completely different. And what they asked for in terms of um, the funding to do those pieces of work was completely different. But the one consistent element that was requested from all 12 of us was um, the lead worker peer mentor service. My first job was, was to start that commissioning process, was to start um, kind of compiling everything we needed to go out and, and commission that. So um, we 
we were asked by the National Lottery Community Fund to do that piece of work as part of it. But we had to then, um, as BBSC and as a partnership, go and commission a provider to, to do it. And obviously we um, we awarded it to Shelter following that tender process. Um, and, and there were lots of challenges around the commissioning of it. It was the first thing that we'd commissioned as a, a programme. Um, it was a very large pot of money. We had to follow, you know, EU regulations and we had to go through this kind of really um, intensive um, procurement process that we'd never done before. So for the, the project and for BBSC as an organisation, it was a huge learning curve. Um, and it took sort of six months of our time before lead worker could actually get up and running because that first six months was just the procurement of it. So there was a bit of a delay there, you know, in an ideal world, you'd kind of just hit the ground running. Um, but we had to do that piece of work. Um, and as I said, there was there was a lot of work that had to go into getting that ask right, because when you're commissioning a service, what you're asking that that partner to deliver has to be spot on. And, and it was really important for us to get the right ethos into that commissioning. Um, we were very fortunate in that there were parties that were interested and we got some really good quality bids um, and we were really really happy um, that the um, the joint bid from Shelter, Birmingham Mind and Cypher Fireside um, was was successful and we were really pleased with that because by the end of it you know we, we really did feel that that was um, a bid that would help us to achieve what we wanted to as a programme and, and those organisations really demonstrated that, that, that between them they had a really strong understanding of the client group. I think that the point of it was that no existing organization could kind of say that they had a specialism in complex needs in in that way because this was a bit of a first time that mm. anybody was taking the time out to actually look at people with complex needs as a group and recognize that what they need is something different and that you can't treat all of those needs in in silo um, and the complications that that raises and so we were never going to get a partner that kind of came in and was like oh we're an expert in complex needs because I'd argue that at that point you know, nobody was looking at it. Um, so to get a, a partnership of organisations that had their own specialisms that could come together and kind of learn with us on this journey was really good. What do you hope to gain from the from the lead worker peer mentor continuation strategy? Um, for me, the continuation strategy is about um, continuing the the learning and the knowledge of, of what we now know works for this group. So it was never the idea that somebody would necessarily kind of come in and, and recommission the service um, um, in the way that, that we did. We always did it in a way to demonstrate what worked in the hope that that would be adopted within some of the kind of more mainstream and statutory services across Birmingham. And, and that's starting to happen. And those kinds of roles are now starting to be commissioned in some of those types of services, which is exactly what we wanted. Um, but I think what, what we want to see is, is as much of that as possible. I think we want to continue to work with commissioners to demonstrate that you know, if, if services and, and provision are coming across people with complex needs, then they, in my opinion, they need to be looking at that and making sure that a portion of the services they're commissioning is focused on that um, and that there are these types of roles within that commissioning to allow work to happen um, for that client group in the way that we now know works best. Um, and the, the biggest thing for me, and, and I'm sure I'm not the only person that will say this, but the main learning and the absolute kind of stellar learning that came out of this whole piece of work was the um 
the role of the peer mentors alongside the lead workers and how that mix in skills and, and professional skills versus lived experience and the way that they, um, the lead workers and peer mentors could support each other with their professional development meant that ultimately the clients that we were working with got a better service. And, and through having those peer mentors as part of that team, um, the client group were more likely to engage with the service in the first place they stayed with the service longer and it was just able to bring that element of realism and challenge to the role and when somebody's kind of been through it they're able to kind of break through some of that professional red tape and say no actually you know what this is what we need to be doing here and it just worked so well and for me one of the biggest things that I hope comes out of the continuation strategy is that we continue to push that message about other employers across the city working in this kind of area, starting to um, employ um, paid peer mentors to do that role alongside their current professional um, support workers from a more sort of professional background as opposed to a lived um, lived background um, and to really start to increase the numbers of those peer, paid peer mentors in the city because for me it's been just a phenomenal success. So when I started, there were 12 lead workers, um, six peer mentors were recruited and we were told that they were having these two models, so model A and model B, um, to test whether having a peer mentor had an impact on that client's journey. Um, so I was in the first group model A where I didn't have a peer mentor initially, so I was working on my own. And then I'd say after probably a year and a half um, I was placing model B so they expanded the peer mentor service and most lead workers had a peer mentor so you're right I had an opportunity to work on both and um, I suppose in model A the main difference was first the length of time to engage clients when you're coming at it purely from a professional role and um, it definitely took longer um, but also your ability to support them as intensely because there was one of you and you were trying to stretch yourself to attend all their appointments which wasn't always possible um, whereas when I worked with a peer mentor you could kind of divide that role um, and also you had more scope to engage people quicker because the peer mentor had the ability to automatically get a client really as opposed to warm to them and to trust them without having to justify their background or why they were saying what they were saying, were they doing it for their own interests, is there another agenda? That was never really questioned with a peer mentor, whereas I think as a lead worker, it always was because of the client's previous experiences with services. I think that's a, a very interesting answer. Like you say, I mean, people from multiple and complex needs backgrounds are very mistrusting due to, you know, traumatic past potentially or even you know, and even trauma of like being felt let down by services. That's really, really insightful. What kind of feedback was, was you getting from, from lead workers, like, um, in what you was teaching them? What were they saying? Like, oh, you know, can't, yeah, you know, I never thought of it that way or... Well, obviously with the type of clientele that we was working with, um, and again, just through my own experience, we could be presented with individuals who really were quite poorly, for want of a better phrase, uh, entrenched uh, drug use, homeless, in the criminal justice system, 
And I, I, I don't know, I just think of an individual who uh, found himself going to prison for the first time and he, and he was really quite nervous and getting to go into prison as a professional for one of the first times because I'd been into prison to do other things but not as a paid professional and to go and sit in the legal visits and visit an individual and what have you. And then that initial like, whoa, this is strange. The last time I was here, I was visiting my solicitor. Now I'm mm-hmm. here being a professional advocating on behalf of somebody else who's here. So that was strange in itself. But um, then being able to listen to what this lad was going through and what actually, uh, uh, and be able to put him at ease by letting him know how the prison system works and what have you. And then I can remember coming out of that uh, visit with my colleague at the time and uh, her actually saying, I wouldn't have been able to interact in that visit with this individual if you wasn't there because you've brought something to that that I would never have known. I would never have known. I would never have known how to tell him to navigate through the prison system. This is why I'll happen on your first day. You'll get paid on this day. You have to put an application in to do this. If you speak to this officer, they'll be able to direct you in this way and what have you. Uh, and so just things like that, just reinforcing that I have got something valuable to bring to this. And then I can remember seeing another individual and um was clearly quite poorly and what have you. And it, 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 I remember just coming away from it. And, and what we always used to do was whenever we'd go and see somebody, my, my uh, lead worker would always tell me how she perceived the uh, situation that we'd just been in. And then she'd always ask me, how did you see? And 99 times out of 10, we'd see very similar but it was almost like we've seen it through two, obviously through two different sets of eyes. And I would definitely pick up on things that she had missed. And she would definitely pick up on, on things that I weren't necessarily looking for. Most, uh, like, I could tell her, oh, that person's uh, using, that person's injecting. And well, how do you know that? Oh, I, I just noticed there's some fresh marks on their arm and I could tell by their eyes and what have you. Mm. How do you know? No, I just know because I've been there uh, and I, I, they're the telltale signs of, sadly, um, intravenous drug use. Um, and a couple of times, I just wouldn't have picked up on that. But then that was learning for her where she definitely was more aware as we've gone through our relationship at work and what have you, where she would be picking up on these things where she wouldn't necessarily have been before. Mm. It, it, um, all brilliant stuff this is all because this is what we're trying to kind of talk about you know it, it's kind of you know you're getting free teaching aren't you you've got the best of both worlds you've got someone that's been there and kind of sees and and, and i think you i think it's the best explanation to kind of give it through two sets of eyes and i think when you're talking about working with multiple and complex people i think the more angles that you can look at the more productive that any kind of support is it, it being put in place he's going to be he's going to be you know worthwhile most definitely yeah and on the flip side that the amount of learning that i got from my colleague where she introduced me to agencies around the city that i didn't even know existed mm-hmm. uh, and the way that she introduced uh, what i always loved about uh, my colleague at the time my lead worker she never ever introduced me just as a peer mentor she would always introduce me as her colleague mm. uh, and, 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 I, and i know my role was as a peer mentor but it just 
allowed me to feel even more so on an even keel with her. Even though, like, I held this lady up in such high esteem because her education and her knowledge and what have you was just second to none. And uh, she, she, even so much as, like, when we was travelling from job to job and what have you, we'd sit on the bus and she'd be educating me on... Uh, the history of the words that we're using within certain meetings and what have you, and what that word really means and where that word actually comes from in its origins and what have you. She just educated me so much. And then like sitting in on a management meetings, going into uh, secure mental health hospitals and encouraging me to get involved with ward rounds and what have you. Um, saying, Earl, no, your, your experience is really valid here. I can speak to them. But the way that you will speak to them, you're giving them your experience as well. You know what I mean? And I can't give them that. It's important to share, and maybe we'll touch on this a little bit later, that um, the team are currently working with NHS England to pilot a prison liaison service with HMP Birmingham. And this is intended to support vulnerable people's transition back into the community for those that have been on a short-term sentence. And um, Lee, a little bit later, I'd really like to share with you how that pilot came to be, because it was really, really driven by the thoughts and experiences of our original peer workers in the Birmingham service. This may now sound a bit like a Disney podcast, Lee. That's okay. <laughs> because um, it, it's been an absolutely incredible journey over the last few years. So, you know, in 2016, you know, with positive engagement between Shelter, Birmingham Solihull Mental Health Foundation Trust and NHS England, we were able to launch a pilot that subsequently became a national pathfinder. And, and that was independently evaluated by the Revolving Doors Agency. Our first two peer workers, they both found substantive posts within the trust that provided L&D 18 months into their initial two-year contract. And we shouldn't underestimate the importance of what happened in that moment. 18 months in, the organisation that, you know, for understandable reasons were reluctantly to directly employ those two individuals, after 18 months, seeing the passion, the commitment, the positivity that they brought to the development of liaison and diversion, that they got, um, they got substantive posts within um, the organisation that was brilliant. And what that did, Lee, was it allowed us to recruit two new peer workers. And we were also able, because of that initial impact and success, we were able to allocate via um, my role as the commissioner a little bit of extra money to recruit a third peer worker that was specifically aimed at working with our women's pathway. We've got Emma. She was a previous worker on the Lead Worker Peer Mentor Project. And I, I think you was there from pretty much the beginning. Um, hi, Lee. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I was there from the very beginning, um, just before the service went live. So I was the first line manager recruited. Um, my original title was Peer Mentor Coordinator. 
Um, and then I think within 12 months that changed. Um, so originally I was recruited um, specifically to be the lead on um, recruiting, employing and managing our staff with lived experience, our peer mentors. And then the ongoing, um, well, the creation and then ongoing rollout and development of the, the peer mentorship, if you like. Um, the change was made that I would also have responsibility for managing lead workers. So essentially we would, as team leaders, manage the co-working pairs as opposed to individuals. You know, let us not forget this, this whole service started and was designed by way back in Ruskin Chambers. Um, people that had accessed or, and were accessing services themselves um, so everything was really intentionally designed the way it was by the people who knew best um, and those individuals having been on the receiving end of payment by outcome services for years and years and years and all that goes goes with that they were very keen to ensure that our service wasn't designed like that but crucially the staff that we appoint to those posts aren't going to operate in that traditional quite restrictive um, way and operate in a very much more holistic and person-centred way where outcomes um, were viewed slightly differently and um, you know an outcome wouldn't necessarily be someone completely abstaining from class A drugs after 25 years of active addiction it would more be viewed as a positive outcome just that someone's engaging or turning up fairly regularly and slowly building a relationship. It's interesting because it seems to be um, like a prominent that most people are talking about uh, the lack of restrictions and that's how it worked, that it wasn't time restricted and it, and it allowed you to build relationships with some of these people that had suffered, you know. We were actively seeking to appoint people with lived experience of some real nitty gritty, meaty, raw things that you can't send anyone else on a training course to learn. Um, we were then expecting them to use all that nitty gritty raw stuff actively in their day to day roles um, and be re more emotionally generous than than any other employee or, or type of employee. So for me, they might have been given a job and a salary, but peer mentors were giving so much more. Um, and, and I used to think you know perhaps we didn't get that message across strongly enough you know I still have people now that that I kind of talked to um since I've left that saying I'll always be grateful you give me that job I thought bloody hell I can't evidence it but you doing that job save people from either overdosing and dying committing suicide and dying do you know what I mean I can't evidence it so hello Emily hi so yeah I just wanted to kind of find out um, like an overview of the Rough Sleepers initiative really and, and what your role is with the team. Okay, so the Rough Sleepers initiative is a multi-agency group. So you've got ourselves from Shelter Involved, Trident, the Homeless Health Exchange and CGL, along with the police, inv the police are involved, enforcement and social services and really we are this big team that have an insight from all different aspects as to what we can support our clients with 
So my role as an engagement worker is the fact that I've got lived experience. I can engage clients that are the most hard to engage. So those that don't have anything to do with any services whatsoever, who have been out on the streets for many years, most of them. This is a this is a hard question. I reckon it's going to get you thinking, to be honest. But being the highlight of your role so far? Most recently, um, I had um, a male client who has just got back in touch with his mum and his sister. And through Housing First, along with the RSI, and through being on Lead Worker Peer Mentor Service, he never had that engagement there for so long. And now we are looking at how we can fund him to go into rehab, how he can maintain his housing first property. So just to hear him on the end of the phone on a daily basis, full of gratitude, that's a massive highlight. To find out more, check our show notes for a link to the full social cost benefit analysis of the entire Lead Worker Peer Mental Service. Or visit changingfuturesbham.co.uk forward slash our work and then find the lead worker peer mentor continuation strategy and from there you can navigate to the lead worker peer mentor evaluation next time on challenging we'll hear more from kevin and others as we look closer at the liaison and diversion service which has also adopted the lead worker peer mentor model see you next time